from Flourish DX, this is the Psych Health and Safety Canada podcast with workplace mental health becoming a priority for businesses who want to retain staff and prevent burnout. This is the source of information for creating sustainable and psychologically healthy workplaces in Canada. Hi, and welcome to the Psych Health and Safety podcast. My name's Marianne Baton, and I'm your host. The aim of the podcast is to share practical knowledge about how to protect psychological health and safety in workplaces. Each week, we'll have interesting guests from across Canada and around the world who will share tips and strategies for those who want to make a positive difference in their workplaces. My guest for today is an Aussie and the one who started all of this. He invited me to help from this side of the world. Jason Von Chi is a registered psychologist with a master's degree in occupational psychology. He's well recognized for his work in psychological health and safety as co-host of a leading global podcast on this topic and a course instructor at 45003 Training Academy. He's also the founder of Flourish DX, a leading technology solution for making psychological health and safety and well-being accessible at scale. Welcome to the podcast, Jason. Thanks for having me, Marianne, and thank you so much for doing this. Ah, my pleasure. It's going to be fun to chat with people, um, both friends and new friends, about a subject matter that we're all passionate about. Yeah, I got to say from our own experience, Joelle and mine running the Psych Health and Safety podcast over in Oz, it, it is a lot of fun and you do really broaden your network. Uh, I think we're up to episode 67 as of tomorrow. So we're recording uh, mid-November this one, but um, yeah, uh, 67 episodes in. Wow. Do you like forget what you're talking about some days? Uh, some days are harder than others <laughs> and you'll, <laughs> you'll find out all about that. I know you're, you know, you've done some podcasts yourself. I mean, you've been on our podcast twice yourself. Yes. Yeah. And it's fun. Like for me, it's like talking to friends, but yeah, we get at the good stuff, right? At the stuff that matters to people. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. And, and, we, and we get to shape the conversation too, right? So, um, I mean, the whole reason we started our podcast and why um, I was really happy when you agreed to do this podcast in Canada is that there's just heaps of information out there regarding self-care and, you know, how to become more resilient. Um, yet there's not so much good information out there on work design and how do we address workplace mental health systemically. So uh, really pleased to have another great voice like your own um, contributing. Well, like you, I agree that uh, there is a personal responsibility for self-care, absolutely. But we also need workplaces that not only do no harm, but help people to thrive, help people to flourish in the workplace. And that's really what psychological health and safety is all about. Yeah, no, we're really kindred spirits, Marianne. Um, we've loved both the times you've been on our podcast. I think they're two of the highest rated podcasts that we've got, actually. So, um, yeah, again, just really thrilled that you're going to be doing this on the other side of the world. And uh, it is really bad uh, time zone difference because what is it, about 13 hours at the moment, 7 a.m. your time, 8 p.m. my time. So I don't think but we're going to be, I don't think we're going to do too many of these. just <laughs> coming up. Yeah, no, it's just starting to rise. So it's all good. It's all good. So Jason, can you tell me a little bit about um, the background of Flourish DX? What is it and uh, how did you come about creating that? 
Yeah, so Flourish DX is a technology tool, right, that um, helps companies uh, implement psychological health, safety, and well-being. Um, so like you just mentioned before, we do really see that workplace mental health is a shared responsibility between the individual and the employer. So we do try and offer tools like many mental wellness apps do for individuals to practice self-care and, and become more resilient and look after their own well-being and seek support early if required. Uh, but the piece that was missing you know, back in 2018 when we started building it and largely today is, although fortunately it's starting to get a bit more attention, is what is the role of the employer in understanding and improving working conditions, like you say, preventing harm. Um, and so that's why, uh, yeah, we started building this thing, hired a technology team back in 2018, officially became a technology company back then in order to meet the scale of the problem. Uh, and now just really stoked to be working with really forward-thinking companies around the world who uh, you know, are really leading the way in this area. Yeah, I well, I was lucky enough to have a look at it and uh, think that it really is forward-thinking and that it really can help make a difference. And uh, I'm excited about how we started with, um, you know, an idea and a bunch of people who thought we should do more in this field and how it really has gone global, how it really has made a difference around the world. Yeah, I mean, what you guys have done in Canada, and we're going to talk more about it today, I guess, given that this is a bit of a different episode, right? This is your first one. So it's just about as much getting to know you, the, the, the host, as, as it is me being the guest today. Um, but what you guys have done in Canada has really been trailblazing uh, for the world. Uh, I like to think, you know, we're a little bit competitive down here in, in Australia. We like to punch above our, uh, our weight. So um, I, I think we're coming back and we may just be sneaking in front of Canada with some of the, you know, making it, putting it more into regulation and these codes of practice coming out around Australia. So there's a real drive around psych health and safety in Australia. But uh, I think Canada and Australia really are one, two at the moment. And uh, that's largely to do with the work of you and your colleagues. Well, you know, thank you for that. I think we were asked the question early on, well, why are you doing this? It's not like the workplaces in Canada are the worst in the world. There's much worse places to work. But I think that um, countries like Canada and Australia have to be innovative and go forward in order to help the rest of the world, that we have to look at these things because we can and uh, that there's a responsibility to do it. So you call it um, competitive. I call it collaborative. Um, we were inspired, actually, by a lot of the work that was done out of Australia when we started with the National Standard of Canada on Psychological Health and Safety in the Workplace. And I think, you know, we built Guarding Minds at Work here, and you're building the Flourish DX, which is, you know, a, a bigger, more comprehensive approach but it, it will um, inspire uh, more movement here. And then hopefully we can inspire more movement there. And it's all for the greater good. So I'm quite happy about you punching above your weight. <laughs> so yeah, like we like to do things that scale well and we love to um, collaborate too. It's not all about competition, Marianne. I think uh, <laughs> us Aussies, I think when it comes to the sporting arena, right, we've always kind of, um, you know, punched above our weight with small population, but generally do pretty well on the medal tally in comparison. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we're really um, interested in, 
getting this message out there and we find that podcast and that's why we started with the psych health and safety podcast and because it was received so well we thought well let's start the mentally healthy workplaces asia podcast to really kind of forward the discussion there and then it made real real good sense to um you know have someone like yourself do similar in, in canada uh because of you know it's it is a different time zone it is we've had a few canadians on our podcast it's really hard though to feature a lot of them and there's just so much good work happening over there uh and then things like the forty-five thousand and three academy uh you know training on on psych health and safety um and then you know making flourish dx free so you know having our first freemium version of and i don't think there's anyone else i haven't seen i mean i'm in market haven't seen anyone else do that um but again it's how do we make this scalable and accessible for anyone at any budget yeah, that's great. And now we, you and I both mentioned 45,003 and many listeners won't be familiar with that. Do you want to describe that a little bit? Yeah, so ISO 45003 actually really takes its roots from what's happening in Canada, Australia, UK and, and other countries. But it's the first internationally recognized best practice approach to workplace mental health. Um, interestingly, unlike the popular approaches to workplace mental health that really focus on the individual and let's make people more resilient and whatnot, it really does focus on work design, taking a risk-based approach and continuous improvement. Um, it is the child standard of ISO 45001, which is the standard for occupational health and safety management systems. And that's really important because to date, I really feel that health and safety has been sidelined a lot when we talk about workplace mental health. Usually it's the portfolio of HR, organizational development, benefits, managers, you know, that's kind of where it's sat. Um, however, health and safety have just such great skill sets around understanding and measuring and monitoring risk. Um, it, it's really, it's really great now that with this standard, it's saying, well, this needs to be part of your other health and safety risk management activities. Um, and right. it really does give, does give practical guidance like the Canadian national standard on how does a company practically do this? So in your training academy, is it, how is it that you're helping people to use the standard? Yeah, well, I, look, I, I don't want to offend you, Marianne, because I know you had a lot to do with the Canadian standard, but I think for the majority of people, when they read a standard after the first sentence or two, their eyes just start to glaze over. They're, <laughs> they're pretty heavy reading. Um, and so uh, it wasn't actually me that wrote the content. So Joelle is actually our ISO 45003 expert. I'm the face of, of the standard, I guess, because I was the one that uh, read the teleprompter with her great content. Um, but really it was about distilling the standard to really make it understandable and for companies to be able to pick it up um, being that translation piece right and, and that's what we try and do with the podcast as well it's about how do we translate really good research and what academics are saying is best practice or what companies are doing how do you distill that information down to a point where it can actually be readily understood and applied uh, there, there's always that translation gap right so that's where we hope to kind of fill the, the void with 45003 academy well, and you know, what I always say around standards, because you're absolutely right, that many people's eyes glaze over when, because we wrote the standard in plain language, but in order for the Canadian Standards Association to be able to produce it, it had to be in what they called standardese, in other yeah. words, in legal language. And so we lost a lot of that um, simple uh, idea, language. It, what, what I say to people, though, is to look at the standards, 
see it as a framework and just say, you know, where can I start? What is most practical for me? And sometimes I worry that people say, well, unless I start at clause one and check everything off, I'm not doing psychological health and safety. And I think, no, we can start anywhere. We can start with asking how might this policy, this program, this change, this um, procedure impact the psychological health and safety of employees and um, whether they're using a tool like yours in Flourish DX or they are just starting on their own, they, they can start in simple ways. And uh, I hope that through this podcast series, they hear some of these tips and strategies that aren't overwhelming, that aren't going to make their eyes glaze over. And they've got something to take away each time that can inspire and motivate. Well, one thing I've always found, Marianne, you can bring life to a lot of uh, subjects like this. Maybe it's because I'm interested myself. I don't know, but I always find you quite interesting to talk to. Actually, I listened to a um, podcast recently that you did with Brian Crook out of Ireland. Uh, mm-hmm. You're you're Irish by heritage, aren't you? I've, I've got a whole lot of Irish in me. Yes, I do. <laughs> so that accent must have felt like coming home to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, uh, funny story. MacDonald was my maiden name. And uh, so my I grew up and my father grew up thinking he was all Scottish. And then when he had his DNA done, realized it was a whole lot more Irish than he ever <laughs> knew. So, yeah, it, we I'm a mutt is what I am. Yes. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, obviously, this is your podcast, Marianne, and, you, and you've said, you know, one thing there about what you want to get out of it. But, you know, what what else are you hoping to achieve uh, with this platform? Um, to have fun myself. <laughs> <laughs> because I think if my guests and I can have fun on the podcast, it'll be a better listen for the people who are. So we want to add the very practical, the things that you can take away and do with little or no budget. But we also want to have fun. And the way that I have described it is to celebrate being human in the workplace, that uh, work can be a place where we thrive, where we flourish, where we do have fun and we work hard. So that's what I hope we get out of it. Yeah, well, I can speak from experience, you know, doing the podcast with Joelle. This is obviously a bit different. You're a solo host or I get to co-host with Joelle. Uh, we always have a bit of fun. We always have a bit of a bit of banter at the beginning of every every one of our episodes. And uh, yeah, I think the listeners actually like the first five minutes. Um, in, in fact, <laughs> uh, Joelle and I have talked about maybe we should start our own podcast where we just chat and banter the whole time. Uh, we can call it Psychologists of People Too or something like that. <laughs> Because often, uh, you know, I think we get the uh, the raw end when people talk about picture what a psychologist is and what they talk about. <laughs> well, and and to think that a psychologist or any helping professional always has it together, we could dispel that myth for them. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, generally, our uh, chats are all about how bad Joelle's life is going. <laughs> she she's had a rotten twenty twenty one. Um, despite us being COVID free in Perth, um, thankfully, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, she's had some bad luck with uh, builders and insurers and uh, yeah. whatnot. So, but um, she takes it on the chin. She's like me. She is an optimist, even though, you know, she, <laughs> she might not come across that way all the time on the <laughs> podcast, but you can, you can let, you can give, you can give her something for that, uh, given what she's gone through. <laughs> um, That's great. 
So this this is obviously going to have more of a Canadian focus, this podcast, whereas I guess we have more of a you know global remit with ours. Um, obviously, you're going to be talking to some of the best people around the world and no doubt we're going to have some uh, crossover guests. Um, you're going to talk to some of the people that we've spoken to. Um, so can you tell me a bit about the state of work, workplace mental health in Canada? I think we're evolving. I think we're going in the right direction. I believe strongly that the pandemic has provided us with an opportunity that is so much larger than it was before, because employers now understand that workplace mental health isn't about a small percentage of their population, that it's about every single person. And when they saw the stress, the uncertainty, the fear, the concern, the confusion that the pandemic caused, they recognized that they had to do something for their employees, whether they were coming into work and having to deal with all these protocols, or they were staying at home and having to juggle home life with work life and all of that. And so I... I sometimes joke, Jason, that I think I manifested the pandemic because I wished that employers would understand the value of addressing workplace mental health to them, never mind to the employees themselves. And uh, they do now because of what we've gone through. And so I think that we are starting to open up the standard. What that means is that the Z1003, which is the National Standard of Canada on Psychological Health and Safety in the Workplace, the Technical Committee will be spending the next at least 18 months looking at it. And when we open it up, we're going to look at the extent to which we addressed inclusion, the um, ability for the standard to be more useful to small business, the alignment with ISO standard 45003 and the ability to make it more responsive, more easy to use for all employers. So we'll be spending the time doing that. And then we hope to relaunch it in 2023 um, in an even bigger way than we did before. Yeah, so the idea is to continue down the route, it sounds like then, rather than, say, uh, adopting ISO 45003. You, you feel that, do you feel that most companies in Canada would prefer to use the uh, Z1003 rather than the ISO 45003? I think it's a matter of choice. And I think for um, many of the international organizations, the, the ISO holds a lot of um, value because it would be applicable around the world. Um, and for Canadians, I think that there's value in Z1003. I think they're complementary. I don't think one replaces the other. Yeah. But no, I, yeah. it's not my decision to make. It is the decision <laughs> of the technical committee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I definitely see... Um, like you say, for multinationals, it makes sense. You know, if you're going to take on one standard, then you'd probably take on ISO 45003. If you're a Canadian organization, well, there's some really, really great local resources, as you've mentioned already with guarding minds and whatnot, and a lot of assistance uh, to help you to adopt the local standard. Um, so again, it will be, again, the, <laughs> the decision of companies and, uh, and the committee, I guess. Right. Or they can look at both. 
Mm. I think there's value in that to, to look at both of them and say, what can I take out of this one and what's different in this one? And so that's part of what I hope uh, we'll accomplish is really being able to say, what are the differences and, and how are they, what could we take from both standards? Yeah. So can you give us any um, local statistics around the state of mental illness or uh, work-related stress in Canada? Uh, So I won't give you uh, stats because I don't have them at my fingertips. But what I will say is that there is no question that depression and anxiety is up, that uh, people are struggling. Um, When we were looking at um, leadership, we found that those leaders who were in the workplace actually had higher levels of challenges than those who were working from home. But we also note um, that fear and uncertainty is a normal response to a life event like a pandemic. So although our levels of depression and anxiety on a clinical level are definitely up, um, it is a normal response to be fearful of the unknown. Yeah, absolutely. And um, definitely you've had a harder go of it uh, with the pandemic than what we've had in Australia. We've been fortunately pretty well off, except for the Delta strain, which I think has caused most countries some you know, further issues from the original variants. Um, but yeah, absolutely. We're seeing the same here in Australia. Um, there was a real fear when the pandemic hit and the extended lockdowns kicked in in Australia. Um, the impact on that loneliness and then the concerns about health, concerns about job security and all the rest and what impact that would have on people's mental health. Uh, And to the government's credit here, they really did act quick and really made sure that there was money that went out into the economy quickly to make sure that people could retain jobs. And if they couldn't, then then there was money available for them. Um, They were very quick to stand up telehealth services. So um, they did respond in a big way. And and I believe the, um, the suicide statistics uh, for the last recording period came out and they were actually down from the previous period when there were some people modelling that was going to go up 50% um, due to the pandemic. So uh, credit to the government for responding very quickly. Yeah, I've heard lots of critics of all levels of government um, and I feel like you do that it was a very difficult thing. It's never been done before on this scale and that a lot of people worked hard to do the best they could. We've had criticisms about giving out too much money and people then not being incentivized to get back to work. But I, 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 I'm glad I was not the one who had mm. to make those decisions because yeah. I don't think it was easy. And uh, I think, again, Canadians... Uh, there are Canadians who really struggled and suffered and had loss and had challenges, but a lot of Canadians um, were protected and were supported. And so, yeah, I think of the countries, um, unlike Canada and Australia, who had no support and what that means for them. Mm. And we got to say though, like, even though we do feel some of the impacts of the pandemic on people's mental health, uh, we weren't in a rosy state before the pandemic kicked off either. Um, I think worldwide we had, you know, world we had record levels of psychological injuries or work-related stress, depression, and anxiety in the case of uh, the UK's latest recorded recorded figures. Um, 
it's just good i think that the pan like you say the silver lining uh, of the pandemic which you brought upon us all we've worked out now marianne uh, <laughs> is that there is this more this increased focus and then hopefully more action mm-hmm. to go with it and and well well-guided action um, not just money being spent in areas that it's not going to have the desired impact so just um, anecdotally i had heard from several probably about five or six people so not a big number but it was enough to make me wonder people who had a diagnosis of a mental illness who said that their mind was calmer and clearer through the pandemic than it's ever been because a lot of the stress and strain of everyday living was reduced when they didn't have to get up. They didn't have to get the kids to school. They didn't have to commute to work. They didn't have to make lunches. The, you know, all of those things, they didn't have to deal with um, workplace politics. So when we did um, an actual survey uh, across Canada with the Mental Health Research Canada uh, organization, we found um, that people with a diagnosis of mental illness did not fare any worse than the general population. And so I think there's pros and cons of what we've been through. And um, some people here are calling it the great reset. So you've heard the great resignation, right? Well, everybody's quitting their jobs, but in a more positive way, the great reset is thinking what, what matters in life? Mm. What is important to us? What kind of work environment at work experience do I want? And then deciding there's no time like the present to actually create that for myself. Mm. So. Yeah. I think uh, that's a really interesting uh, reflection and, and, um, uh, that evidence that you've got there. Um, and, and it does make a lot of sense, particularly if you're in a toxic workplace where the root cause of, you know, your mental illness was due to workplace factors, right? So if you remove work out of the equation, then hopefully you'd see people would actually be doing better. Uh, and hopefully, like you say, it does cause both individuals to reflect and go, well, do I need to be spending 14 hours a day at this work that, you know, doesn't treat me well? Uh, maybe I should be looking after my work-life balance and spending more time with my family and, and my other supports that are going to support my mental health. And for employers to think, well, if we don't want people to leave and vote with their feet during this employee resignation, um, all this great resignation, then let's think about what can we do to really make people people feel uh, trusted and valued in, in the organisation. Yeah, yeah. It'll be an interesting time in the next year or so as we start to return to whatever um, the new normal is going to be and in every workplace it could be slightly different yeah absolutely now um back to the topic of psych health and safety you could say it was really born i guess in in canada um i mean the hsc did release their stress management standard back in 2004 but it wasn't done and, and Peter Kelly um, would say you know it wasn't done to the same degree as, as as the Canadian standard he would have much preferred it to be at that level uh, but obviously a lot harder because it preceded the National Senate of Canada by a good 10 years almost um, but I really love your story Marianne about the uh, the how the original idea behind the standard kind of came about and I think uh, if I remember correctly, like a lot of good ideas, including the HSC stress management standard, it began in a pub. <laughs> yeah. And both <laughs> of the um, people that were part of that, so Dr. Ian Arnold and Dr. Martin Shane, are going to be guests on the podcast. Awesome. Um, and so, it, but it really was just a conversation about why 
um, employees were getting sick in droves, why they were going back to work and then being off on stress leave again. Um, and also why employers were saying, like, what can I do? I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to avoid stress leaves. And uh, we were just saying we, we had tools and resources, free tools and resources that people could use to do this. But we thought it was time to have an arm's length consensus-based standard so that it was an objective thing, not coming from um, any one particular interest group, whether it was the Mental Health Commission of Canada, workplace strategies for mental health, or even the medical field, that what the standard would provide us was this objective perspective on how do you do this? And to make sure that employers know that you're not doing this to be nice. You're doing this because it's a good business decision. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's great, and uh, we haven't actually had either um, of the two gentlemen on the podcast, so I'm really going to be looking out to hear your podcast episodes with them and hearing you guys reminisce about how it all started and, and the future. <laughs> I guess in in Canada will be great. Yeah, are um, we allowed to have a beer while we do the podcast? <laughs> it's your podcast, Marianne. You can do whatever you want. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have one at 7 a.m. I mean, but who am I to judge, right? So. <laughs> That's right. It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> um, so obviously you're helping us out with the podcast now in Canada, which is fantastic. And again, we're so thrilled. Um, but you are a very busy woman and you do a lot of things that really have impact in this space. And one of them is working for Workplace Strategies for Mental Health, which is funded by Canada Life. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that initiative? Yeah. So again, interesting story. I was approached in 2005, I think around then to, um, I was with the Global Business and Economic Roundtable on mental health and addiction in the workplace. I was called the workplace relations specialist. And I was approached to speak to what was then Great West Life about an idea that they had <clears throat> to create um, resources for employers that would be free. And my first reaction was, I don't want to work for an insurance company. Like it's probably just a marketing ploy, something, you know, to increase sales. But I took it on um, for a year while I was with the Canadian Mental Health Association. And I realized um, early on that their integrity was intact. They really indeed wanted to do this for the greater good. And I will be on to my 15th year next year, working with them as a consultant, as their director of collaboration and strategy. But here's the thing. And I know many people are going to go, oh, I want that job. So every year, Canada Life provides a budget where we can create whatever resources are identified as gaps. We can work with experts from across the country, indeed across the world, to collaborate on what we should do. And then we get to put it out there in English and French for everybody. So anyone who is um, a consultant in this field knows they have to create something and then they have to sell it. I get to create something and don't have to sell it because Canada Life provides it for free. Um, in 2022, 
I get to go across the country hosting roundtables on inclusivity to learn how to help employers create more inclusive workplaces. I get to speak to thought leaders from groups, uh, racialized groups, from LGBTQ plus groups, from um, disability groups, and say, what would it take for a workplace to be more inclusive? And I get to um, also go across the country. You'll think this one's funny, Jason. You'll probably want to sign up um, to teach on motivating the powers that be. In other words, how do you convince leaders to take action on psychological health and safety when they're so busy, they're so overwhelmed with competing demands and other things? And to teach that we don't need to say, implement the standard and do it right now, we can say, what are you trying to do? And then link a psychologically healthy and safe initiative to their goals and objectives. So to teach people how to do it. So all of this is only possible um, because this company decided uh, in 2007 that they were going to support it and supported it for uh, now almost 15 years. Yeah, it's it's truly amazing um, the level of resources they put behind it. I mean, in Australia, you know, we do have free tools like the People at Work Survey and, and that sort of thing, and that's largely uh, funded by the regulators over here. Um, we haven't had insurers, you know, put their hands in their pockets, even though um, by companies becoming more psychologically healthy and safe, they probably see a reduction in claims. So it would actually be beneficial for them uh, and not just selling policies, right? There's a, there, are, there are definitely benefits for insurers. Yeah. Do you know in Melbourne, there is Superfriend and mm-hmm. that is funded by insurers there. And it is it was based on trying to reduce suicide. And uh, they've branched out into offering other tools and resources. So even there, there is some, it's different because these are your superannuation funders. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, I think there's hundreds of them that participate in in that. Yeah, and and that does actually make sense. Um, I mean, um, you would think it would be the workers' compensation insurers here in Australia that would be most interested because they're the ones that have to pay pay out if a, someone has a psychological injury and the average time off work now in Australia for a psychological injury is close to half a year off work. So they're, they're the most expensive type of claims typically, uh, about four times more than a physical injury claim. Um, but often because it's so difficult to prove that a mental injury was due to work, people just go to life insurance, which is usually handled by superannuation as well. So it is actually, right. there is a benefit from uh, Superfriend and their, their funders to uh, to do this well. Um, yeah, now Superfriend is an amazing organisation doing some great work here in Australia, that's for sure. Well, and, and I can't agree with you more that even here in Canada, trying to prove that work stress caused your um, psychological injury is not easy. And so, so much better for everybody's sake to make this um, prevention rather than uh, just compensation. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, my background is occupational psychology, right? And that's really been um, something that I've carried across into this area of workplace mental health, where the majority are focused more on the individual and more identifying and, and then getting support for symptoms. 
um, you know, there's a lot of benefit and definitely the occupational psychology perspective would look more at systems and, and the role of work design um, and how that influences people and, and performance. Um, so, yeah, no, I, uh, I didn't go looking to work in the mental health space. When I, funnily enough, even as a psychologist and I studied a master's level in that, I thought, no, sports psychology, that would be really cool. Or, you know, uh, organisational psychology, get to work with teams and improve performance and whatnot. Uh, but you could say that mental health found me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I actually um, had a small business and I had eight employees. And of those eight, four of them actually had a diagnosis. And I was so ignorant to what mental illness was. Um, but they taught me how to support them, even when they weren't well. And uh, so, yeah, it found me. And uh, I didn't realize because I was uh, quite a young um, entrepreneur at the time, I didn't realize that other bosses didn't understand how to talk to somebody that was struggling with their mental health and learn how to support them. I thought everybody knew but me. And, uh, and then the rest of my career has been um, uh, based on, oh, they don't know. And so let's help. Yeah, it's um, a nice place to be, like you say, with Canada Life. You're supporting a lot of your work um, and, you know, not having to negotiate pricing with clients and, you know, all of these kinds of things, just knowing that it's going to be covered and you get to work then with, you know, marginal groups that might not be able to afford you know, a subject matter of, of your uh, expert of your quality um you know normally so it's just fantastic that you're able able to do that yes well and it's the same thing flourish dx to me is a cadillac but we offer a chevy for free right we've yeah. got uh the guarding minds at work so it's free but you now have a free version of flourish dx do you want to share a little bit about what that is yeah, so it's been our plan for a while. Like, how do we provide an entry point for companies into Flourish? I mean, we spent so much time doing it. We didn't want to put a paywall behind, like, you know, over the top of it so that people couldn't access it. Um, and I really like what companies like Atlassian are doing and Canva. And, you know, they give people a chance to get into a product, really actually understand the value that it can deliver um, before deciding is this something that we're going to invest in. Um, I find it really interesting that most workplace mental health apps, you know, you, you can't see them. You have to get a demo from a salesperson or, or something like that to actually see what they look like. Uh, and I thought, no, let's, we've got a really good product. I want to make it available. I want people to actually be able to get in there and actually do everything. And so, um, yeah, we made a decision about a year ago. It's taken us a while to implement because we only released it about a month ago, um, Flourish TX Basic. Um, but made the decision a year ago, that's something that we really wanted to do. And as a startup, you know, we are up to, well, what are we up to now? We just uh, took on someone new today, actually. So I think we're up to 14 people now. Um, but, you know, we, we don't have a massive sales team um, and we want people to be able to self-service as much as possible. And, and that way we're able to keep the price down as well of the overall product because we don't need to fund a massive sales organization. People can get in there and understand the value. Uh, but what people can do now is up to 12 people in a team can use it for free and you know, most of the features there are unlocked. Um, some of the things like customization to surveys or turning on enterprise features like single sign-on aren't available. You know, companies can pay for that if they want those extra features. But for, for small companies or teams, there's actually quite a lot that they can do um, without having to pay anything. And, you know, it's then our 
proposition, well, we've got to make sure that people feel like there's actually really good value in here and there's something that they want to pay for. Um, yeah. It's a bit different to, I guess, a government-led initiative, which is like, oh, it's all funded and you know, if people use it, they use it. If they don't, they don't. We actually have to <laughs> listen to customers and go, well, it has to be a really good uh, experience for them and they really have to get value out of this. Otherwise, you know, we can't continue to fund on this thing. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, love it. i got to say, I really, really love it. And it was interesting what you said before, Marianne, about um, how one of the things that you do is go and talk about how to get top management support and, you know, that buy-in that you need in order to get budget or resources or time uh, allocated to these sorts of initiatives. And uh, and that's actually why our next training course that we'll be releasing in the coming week or so, probably before this podcast airs, in fact, on the 45003 Academy is on how to get top management support for psych health and safety. Because yeah. once you have people in a business who are your champions, whether that's from HR or health and safety and go, this is the thing we need to do then they need to get a leadership and they need to get the buy-in. Otherwise it's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know, that brings me to another point is that you can have the greatest champion who really says, yes, let's do this. Let's implement the standard. But then when that champion moves, you could lose the entire initiative, right? If somebody else comes in and that's not their focus. And so we strongly suggest that you start to embed anything that you're doing into business as usual, rather than make it a separate program. So if somebody says, yes, let's start with the standard, you can say, okay, let's look at recruiting practices and let's put it in there. Let's look at orientation and let's embed it in there. Let's look at training across the, the spectrum, all sorts of training, safety training, on-the-job training, and let's embed psychological health and safety in there. That way, even if you have a change of your champion, of your leaders, you still have some of it that will stick. Yeah. Oh, that is so important. And that's why, um, you know, we really recommend as soon as you can get this buried into policy. Um, don't just do activities like we're going to do a survey and do a risk assessment and we're going to do some training over here and we're going to do this over there. Um, like you say, if the champion turns over, then the whole, the person, the one person driving it is no longer driving it and it just all falls in a heap. Um, if it's in your health and safety policy, that you understand that psychological health and safety can have a big impact on people's health and well-being, uh, and so you are going to commit to periodic, periodically doing a risk assessment. So consulting with staff about the psychological factors in the workplace and you know the influence it's having on their well-being. If you can do that, and then also say we're going to also make resources available to employees for them to have you know practice self-care better and to seek support early when required. If you can have that in there, it's harder to dislodge. It's harder to change your policy once it's already in there. So um, the sooner if you're a change champion and really wants to see psych health and safety um, sustainable in your organisation, then the sooner you can get leadership commitment to embed it into policy and a commitment to do those sorts of things, then it's going to have more like more likely to have legs. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh. So what's um, next for you, Jason? <laughs> Every day is something new, Marianne. So we're starting this podcast right today. A month ago, we started the uh, Mentally Healthy Workplaces Asia podcast. Um, the uh, the top management support training is almost finished, so that will be going live. Um, what, what I'd like to do next in terms of a training course to go out is how to evaluate a digital workplace mental health tool. 
obviously we've got one in, in market with Flourish DX, um, but we do get asked the question all the time, like how is this different to like a Headspace for work or a Calm for work or, or something like that. And um, people just don't understand when you talk about the mental health continuum and the, the variety of activities that you can do for, for employee mental health, um, it's so vast, right? Uh, and really what I like to say is Flourish DX really is a health and safety tool first uh, and a wellbeing tool secondary. You've got to do both, but the, the primary focus for us, at least at the moment, is really to do the psych health and safety bit well. Um, how yeah. do companies assess risks? How do they control risks? How do they monitor that over time? You know, that, that's all really important and stuff that other apps aren't doing so much. They're really focusing on the individual and self-care. Um, and so really, um, I think there's a lot of ignorance you know, and there's a lot of glossy, well-marketed stuff uh, out there as well. And so really, I think uh, what we need for people is is something where they can look at, well, what are the things I need to be looking for? And what are all of the different things that could be in a workplace mental health app? So that when I've got the salesperson in front of me and they've got these glossy brochures, how do I evaluate that against best practice or all the different things that I need to consider in a solution rather than going, oh, great, it's got something on menopause or great, it's got something on yoga. Like, terrific. You know, that's what we're going to use. Yeah. We just did the Canadian Work and Wellbeing Awards through the Canadian Positive Psychology Association. And I have to say that I think in looking at any initiative, uh, looking at any piece of um, technology is that if the employer does not check in with the employees about their perceived needs, their uh, what they want, what they need to be psychologically safe, to be energized and motivated at work, then they can invest a whole lot of money and it can just be a complete waste. And uh, yeah. It's yeah, so- no, totally agree. Totally agree. See it all the time. So people go, oh, this is really nice app. It's going to solve all our workplace mental health issues. And then it goes in and they get maybe 30% of people put up their hand and go, yeah, I'll, I'll have a subscription. Thanks. And then of those willing participants, you know, you get maybe 10 to 20% of people log in once a month. Um, now, if you went for a run once a month, um, would you expect to be physically fit by doing that? You know, logging into an app once a month should not be a measure of success. Uh, yet it's uh, it's it's pretty pretty interesting. Um, yeah, and and this is the thing. Like, if you were to talk to people, and I saw a really great meme on LinkedIn about this the other day. Actually, when you ask people, you know, what could we be doing to reduce or help you to deal with work related stress better? Um, no one's going to say, "Give me a mindfulness app." They're going to say, <laughs> "No." Give me more supervisor support. Give me, you know, think about my work demands, you know, get rid of these six meetings um, a day that I don't need. You know, they're going to give you some advice, more focus on how work is organized, which is actually where line managers can influence um, rather than saying I need an app, you know. Um, And there was actually a really good article the other day actually talking about how mental health apps can actually be worse than doing nothing at all. Um, because if you don't do that bit, like you said, and consult with staff and ask them what would actually help to improve how they're experiencing work and, and reduce levels of work-related stress, and you go, well, we found a solution. We're going to give you a mental health app. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of employees are going to find that quite patronizing. Well, you think about being in a relationship where the person is never there for you, never wants to um, support you, or, but they buy you gifts all the time. 
and you don't want them. That's not what is going to make you happy. That's not what's going to improve your relationship. And that's what employers are doing. Let me buy you something and then you see how great I am. And yeah, it doesn't quite work like that. And so talking to your employees, finding out what they need is for sure the starting point for anything. Yeah. I mean, we talk a lot about the jobs demands resources model on our podcast as, as we would given it's a psych health and safety podcast, but we, we do see that there is an ordinate fascination with the benefits or like, let's give perks rather than actually let's deal with the root cause of, of problems, um, you know, originating from the design of work. So uh, at some point we do have to reduce demands. So we can't just keep, keep giving out benefits and perks. Yeah. But you know, workload has always been a really interesting concept for me as a stressor because when we're energized when we're excited about the work that we do when we feel valued then we want to do more right we don't we don't think oh this is too much we think what a great opportunity and i can't wait to sink my teeth into this but when we feel like whatever we do is never going to be good enough is never going to be enough then that exact same amount of work becomes a stressor instead of something that you're energized about. And yet employers always say, well, they want less work. No, they want less stress about work. And so if you can do that, you can maximize their energy and their enthusiasm. And that's how you really help an employee perform. Yeah. And it's not that they want less work. They want less um, of the work that's not meaningful to them. They don't want to do the shallow administrative stuff that's time wasters. They actually want to do the stuff that they're skilled at. You know, we talk about strength-based approaches in workplaces. You know, they want to do things that, you know, are aligned to their values. They want to do some stuff that's deep work that really challenges them. Um, they don't want to be doing boring administrative stuff or spending eight hours a day in meetings where they're not contributing. Right. Although I think most employees would say, hey, I'll spend 10, 15% of my time on that boring stuff if the rest of the time I'm doing something that's meaningful. So I don't think employers have to say, oh, well, I can't give this work to anybody. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that a good, you, that's a good clarification. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You certainly, you certainly can have a balance, but it's when it's, uh, yeah, when people feel that they're not going to be valued for any of it, then mm. yeah, you lose that. Yeah, but you pick up on a good point there, Marianne. It's about um, individual preferences um, as well. So some people would crave uh, a high demanding workload. Um, I know a number of them in my circle. Uh, and if they didn't have that, they would probably be more stressed than if they didn't have a full plate. Um, same with autonomy, right? Some people legitimately want to check their brain at the door. They don't want to have to think, you know, their, their life outside of work is too busy. They're coming in just for the paycheck. Just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. Um, and so low autonomy, even though we generally suggest that that is a risk in terms of psychosocial safety, then, you know, it's not for them. So I think that's where uh, when we measure or do psychosocial risk assessment, we really do need to consider the employee's preferences in working styles as well. Um, and not just assume that high workload, low autonomy automatically in increases psychosocial risk. That's right. And how do you find that out? You talk to your employees. Yes, you got to talk to your employees. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's the thing, um, Mary, and that's, you know, hopefully in the next five to 10 years, that's where I'm really hoping to make impact down at that line manager level, um, really give them the language of work design and what, how they can 
do that systemically for groups of employees? How do we actually design work so it's going to be healthy and not harmful for as many people as possible? But then also to have those one-on-one conversations and help individuals to job craft right and go, well, what, what is my preference and, and what would my ideal job look like and how can I fit that within the constraints of what I'm actually required to do as part of this, this job? And so, you know, that's that's a big thing and, and, you know, a big focus of us with Flourish DX is let's not just do a big global level survey and action things at that level like you would with, say, an employee engagement survey. How do we get this data down to line managers so they can have conversations with their teams that make a difference? Yeah, yeah that's great. So I think we will need to wrap up soon. Um, oh, we any... could probably talk all day, couldn't we? And my, wife, have... my wife's going to be home soon, so I should probably go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> is that how that works um yeah, yeah well, she's I, normally asleep before me so uh it's yeah it's getting to that yeah. time but it's been a, a been a terrific conversation marianne you had a hell of a great great first guest yeah i sure <laughs> did i sure did that uh is do you have any last words of wisdom for me um have fun like you said um uh, i don't think you you're going to need any uh encouragement with that marianne having fun um <laughs> Uh, but that's the, the the best thing about these podcasts. You know, you get to talk to so many like-minded people, people who want to have impact, people who are having amazing impact. And it's just so great to feed off that and to share that with listeners who are also, you know, um, whether it's working on a global level or working within a company um, or in a consultancy, you know, there's people who will listen to this podcast who want to have impact. And it's just going to be so great to hear from the people that you've got lined up. And uh, no doubt you're going to have uh, some amazing people to chat with over the coming weeks. Yeah, I'm only chatting with amazing people, just so you know. Yeah, <laughs> of course. It's, that's so, so much. it's a criteria to be on the podcast. You have to be an amazing person. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Jason Von Chi from Flourish DX, thank you so much um, for inviting me to be part of this and for giving Canada uh, a, a, a new way to talk about psychological health and safety and to generate new ideas. It's just so timely for us as we open up our standard to be talking to thought leaders and getting new ideas about what could make this better. Um, so I'll say, don't forget that you can watch this video on the Flourish DX YouTube channel and that what Jason will do is get little short clips from this particular episode and others. And he's going to share them on his LinkedIn and I will share them on my LinkedIn. And you can connect with either Jason or myself um, directly over LinkedIn if you want to continue this discussion or if you think you would be an amazing guest on the podcast. So thanks again, Jason. I'm really looking forward to uh, a whole year of chatting with people like you. Terrific. No, thanks for having me, Marianne. And congratulations again for this awesome podcast. It's going to be so great. Part of my regular uh, listening now. Great. (laughs) Great. Thanks, Jason. You've been listening to the Psych Health and Safety Canada podcast. To stay up to date with the best content on workplace mental health in North America, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and join the Flourish DX community at www.flourishdx.com.